When do you go and you, you program yourself to what can I do now to get a better situation now? That's for me the word optimism is all about. So number one, I have huge criticism about the word happiness because it means different things to different people. Everyone is responsible uh, to do it. You, you are responsible for your own delight. Welcome to the Common Creator Podcast. My name's Paul Fairweather. And I'm Chris Meredith. And together we're on a mission to lift a lid on creativity at work through the lens of ideas, stories and visual cognition. And today's guest is from Singapore, or hails from Singapore, is RV Lee Run. RV is a, um, a speaker and a trainer, a bit like you and I, Chris, except that he's um, maybe delivers delight better because his business is called Delivering Delight. Now, he is the business partner of Lenny Ravich, who we had a few weeks ago, a few episodes ago, and we got the other side of the story, so to speak. <laughs> Yes, I think I think what I learned from uh, RV is that is this is all about a habit. So you have to get into the habit of contributing, delivering delight. And his point is that's the best way of feeding your own soul, of improving yourself. If you're trying to do it for some other motive like your ego or boosting your popularity, it doesn't work. He called that junk food. So this delight is a delightful subject to talk about. I'm feeling so good having chatted to him, but it's also powerful. Yeah, and look, one of the things is what I loved was that um, we we did uh, pose to him the learnings that we've had from so many of our guest neuroscientists and others around the world that you had to be in a good mood to be creative. And he called us out on that and he said that, <laughs> he did. He said that was bullshit. So um, anyway, <laughs> uh, to here, Lenny, let's get him in. Let's get him in. Avi Liran, welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. Thank you for having me. Avi, it's a great pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, excited. Shoot. Can you just give us a quick potted history um, about how you got to be where you are now, a turning point in your life? Oh, everybody does that. Let me be creative. I'll share with you a turning point in my life. When I was 12, my father passed away just next to me. And uh, the, before that, you need to know that we were brought up in a place that was 640 uh, square feet uh, with five people. And uh, it wasn't very convenient, one and a half uh, bedrooms. So my mom complained that it's too small and so on. So they worked so hard in order to buy an apartment that everyone will have a room. And um, by the time that they went there, they, they had to have another mortgage. By the time they went there, a few months later, my father passed away. And for the years after, my mom would cry at night and say, I was happy and I didn't know it. I would give anything Boy. just to get my husband back and go back to this small little place I didn't appreciate that we have. So that made a huge impact on me because it taught me that I should appreciate what I have now. No matter what I have now, I know that there are 7.9 billion people that would trade place with me at any given second. The second lesson that I learned was to take perspective because when a kid come to me and say, oh, I failed in math, and I said, so you can, make a, you can take another test. Is your father alive? 
And the third lesson was at the <laughs> cemetery, there were hundreds of people coming for the funeral. But every year thereafter, there were my mom, myself, and my sister. And that made me realize that people don't have the time to really look at you and be concerned about you because they have their life to leave. And what that made me do is to be pretty rowdy and creative. I could do whatever I want because I use the middle finger. And I said, you're going to care about me, so I'm not going to care about what you say about me. Now, that wasn't that great because it was a little bit inconsiderate. So later in the years, I changed the middle finger to the forefinger and say, I'll do what I want without hurting other people. So I'm going to stop blasting uh, my music to disturb the opera singer across the road. Um, but then I, I, by the way, I did something very creative with a garbage lorry. I can tell you the story later. Uh, and then <laughs> growing up a little bit more, I switched from the forefinger to the pinky finger. And that is do what you need to do without hurting others, but with adding value to others. So that's in the nutshell, instead of telling you boring things that I was a CMO and I was a captain in the army and I failed the pilot course and uh, uh, that, that I have an MBA and I was a diplomat and I created a fund that is now managing $1.3 billion. All this, this is nonsense. I think that what's most important for your viewers is understand the milestones that makes somebody who they are. Sometimes they're traumas and sometimes through the traumas, you could rediscover new opportunities. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Harvey, that's a, a great lesson in storytelling there. Because I, I agree, I'd much rather hear the lessons, you know, the things you've learned rather than things you've done. So I think we're already at a, at a, at a great place there. Harvey, uh, I know you describe yourself as as uh, an incurable optimist and, and you've teamed up with Lenny Ravitch, who's been on the show with us and we love chatting to him. A question I have is why do, is it we need to learn about optimism and perspective and doing good stuff. In other words, why does it feel like we're programmed to cut things down, to be cynical, to assume the worst? So surely Darwin will, or surely we, if you're going to be a successful species, it would be built into your DNA. It sounds like it's Well, I got, I got two answers for you. One, it's healthy. Like uh, Woody Allen um, said something about it. Uh, he said, uh, a pessimist is an optimist with experience. And I would say that the optimism for me is a continuum. And uh, the two ends of the continuum are the dangerous ends. Uh, the one that is delusional, that you're optimistic regardless the consequences, and you are reckless. You say, oh, everything's going to be okay. Let me spend all the money today because the world is going to end. Uh, that's not smart. Uh, that is, what do you, what, what do you call half glass full, that's delusional, and that's going to get you into wreckage. On the other side, the half glass empty is not a joy either. It can cause paralysis, it could cause sadness, it could cause depression, and at the end of the day, God forbid, you could uh, exit the world by your own volunteering. Um, so in the middle, there is a glass, and there is effort, and with this glass, you go and fill it. And if 
you are in a place that doesn't have a lot of water, you need to be innovative. You need to be creative. Either you dig a hole or you take uh, and try to get the dew from the morning and you can find ways, creative ways to get yourself by while enduring the hardship that you have. And that's real optimism because it is not reckless, not delusional, and not debilitating the one that tells you there's nothing to be done. So when you go and you program yourself to what can I do now to get a better situation now? That's for me the word optimism is all about. Uh, solution focus, the way what can I do now to make it better for others and myself? That's optimism, nothing by that. Um, but if you, in the doom and gloom, God bless you, my friend. You need to go place that you can provide. <laughs> Hope I answered it. So, so it does. It sounds like you're saying it's a, in terms of where we sit on that spectrum. It's, a, it's we're pretty much a blind canvas, and the human nature can take itself down a route of pessimism or a route of optimism. It's up to us to use that kind of self-awareness to make decisions in that area and to, to look for the upside and and self-talk. It's about self-talk. Is that is that right? If you're realistic, you if you live in where you live. If you're not an optimistic, you are actually deceiving yourself. Let me explain. One of the best questions that I ever got was, what happened if I want to be a delightful leader, but I have a terrible day? How can I be a delightful leader when I have a, uh, a terrible day? You want me to answer that? Yes, yeah, okay. I so <laughs> I claim that we wake up in the morning as if we had horse blinders, and we only see the things that bothering us, the to-do list, the errands, the problems, the things that actually did not happen yet, 90% of them, or somebody hurt us. We, we, we dwell in that. But is this our reality? So Chris, take a look at me. Paul, take a look at me. I invite you to do the same. Put this. Now, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and every time that you're going to say yes. Which for you, Tony, just for our listeners, uh, put your hands beside your head, uh, play along with us, uh, and if you've got if you've got blinkers on for a horse, so go on. Uh, thank you, listener. And you imagine that you are having a horse blinders. You can only see straight. You cannot see the sides. But I'm going to ask you a series of questions every time that you say yes. You move your hands one inch to the side and one inch up, and you say yes. All right. Okay. Did you wake up on a bed? Yes. All right. Yes. Do you know that there are billions of people that have a shitty bed or they are homeless? Do you have running water? Yes. 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 All right. There's about yes. 770 million people that don't have running water. They need to walk more than a kilometer to get water. Are you living in a free country? Yes. You know that yeah, some people yes. are not. Are you having income to support yourself? Yes, maybe not yes. enough, but do, do you have food to eat today? Yes. Yes. Do you yes. have people that love you and you love them? Yes. 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 And the list goes on and on. And if you are the listener already in a V position, stay there, stretch there and see that about 7.9 billion people would say, I would change places with you. This is your reality, not the 10% that did not happen yet. And if you have all this comparing to the rest of the world, are you blessed? Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. If you are blessed, can you be also grateful? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. So now ask me, Avi, what do you, how do you. So, so for, for the listeners, uh, Avi brought his hands together uh, in front of himself to say very, to, that he's grateful. Continue, Avi. When I ask you, how do you feel on a bad day? What would you tell me? Frustrated, angry, gloomy. Those All are right. The kind if somebody of comes words. and say hello, uh, hi, Chris, how are you? And uh, you're supposed to say, so how would you answer? Great. I think you say good, but you don't mean it. Yeah. So, the, And if you want to sell something, you're going to say fantastic, couldn't be better. And the difference yeah. between how you feel and what you portray out is the amount of energy of faking it that will drain you and you're going to be exhausted at the end of the day. But what yeah. if I can give you two words plus one or two that will always make you uplifting even if you feel really, really terrible? Would you want to learn this word? I, I would. I've got my pen in my hand already. <laughs> so ask me, Avi, how do you feel on a terrible day? Avi, how do you feel on a terrible day? Blessed and grateful and angry. Blessed and grateful and sad. Blessed and grateful and whatever I feel, I share. Because I know that I start my day with 90% in my favor. So my day fluctuates between 90 to 100. If it's a terrible day, I got zero. I'm still at 90. All right? Because I don't discount the beautiful things that I have. And majority of the people don't look at this 90. They think that this 90 is earth and they're only there. But take health out of you. And then suddenly you say, just didn't happen on my nose. And I would be so happy. We take life for granted. And if you don't take life for granted, you will be an optimist. Well, actually, that, that is a great answer. Um, Ave, and what a, what a great answer to a question. Uh, you told us earlier that you had two best questions. Yeah. What's the other one? <laughs> I saw an advertisement that they were looking for commercial attaches course and I can apply. And I said, oh, why not? I could join the government. I could do my master's and I could go places. So 832 people applied. Out of the top 44, there was a case study, another great story. And the last 22, out of which 50% will become commercial attaches. And the question they ask us is, what would you want to do when you grow older? And my answer to that was, I want to be so talented that I could get to work with people that are better, smarter and than me and still want to work with me and for me. And that answer is still valid. And that's why I'm lucky having a lot of people around me, inclusive of Lenny, uh, my team, Nishika, Urusha, um, the people that work with me, Anna Marie, uh, Raymond, and, and others that are in what they do. They are phenomenally better than me. And that's how I grow. So, so yeah, I, I just wanted to ask you, you, you mentioned Lenny there, and as Chris said, we had Lenny on back a few weeks ago. Um, tell us the story about how you came to connect with Lenny. Well, I believe it was a couple of phone calls. Well, <laughs> I had tough times in my life. Um, I always bounced back with exception of one time when um, 
a personal thing happened that will really broke me down. I, I made a hell of a lot of money and I lost it a few times. That It's not very healthy, just to let you know. <laughs> Don't try it. Uh, I'm happy that the fourth time is extremely, extremely good. Uh, but at that time of the lowest of the lows, when I was down on my knees, um, beaten physically, emotionally, somebody gave me his book, Everlasting Optimism. And I read that and I laughed. And I laughed and I gave him a call mm-hmm. and he answered. I said, hello, let me speaking. And I say, I hate you. And of course, he hung up the phone. I called him again. Good. I said, I hate you because you've written the book that I should have written. And he had a good laugh. We had a nice conversation. A few months later, there was um, an, an article in the Straight Times that says, Singaporeans are the least happy people in Asia. And I gave him a call and I say, do you want to work together? And I say, sure, because when he says yes to run it. Marriott was our first client and that was history. And since then, since 2006, we are working together. We are loving each other. He's like my adopted uh, father. Uh, I was like the stepson and we, we have a wonderful company together. He just was in Atlanta. He just gave talks in Russia. Um, uh, over Zoom. So, yeah, he's one of the most amazing human beings alive who decoded life. Avi, I've got two burning questions. First one is about bouncing back from some serious life event. You've mentioned that there have been sort of situations like that for you. Is that a good, does it build you? Is it a good thing to have sort of confronted some serious, uh, let's call it a crisis? in other words, could you have found this out without those setbacks? Or actually, is it a good thing? It's important that people experience the bottom in order to experience the top. Somebody said that everything happened for a reason. And sometimes the reason is really shitty, but it happens. So now what? Uh, something happened. You have a choice. Are you going to surrender and go down? Or are you going to make the best out of it? So I try to make it a habit to profit from a downfall. Let me give you a small example that happens to everybody's life. When my suitcase doesn't arrive, I'm jolting because I know the rules. I know that I'm going to get a little bit of money so I can get my toothbrush and all that. That's $50. I also know that I have an insurance and I know that I said, aha, that's the time. Actually, the jeans that I'm wearing now is because Singapore Airlines didn't bring me back my suitcase for three days in Nepal, in Kathmandu. And the first thing I did out of the airport is going to a shopping mall and getting myself the best pair of jeans that was fully <laughs> paid by the combination of the airline and the insurance. Um, um, if you're going to see my, my second TED Talk, it talks about how my bag was stolen in Madrid with my laptop, with my wallet, with my iPhone, with my cables, uh, with my passport, something that is not really nice. And I have there a, a coping mechanism, how to vent the pain. Don't keep the pain inside. At the same time, I got insurance. I didn't get paid fully, but I got a TEDx out of it. Not all that <laughs> Yes. Uh, not only I got a TEDx, I got a talk that is called Bouncing Forward with a Smile 
that already got almost $200,000 for people paying me to talk about the story, how my bag was stolen. So you could cry about your bag was stolen or you make a talk out of it. So for, <laughs> for people in my profession, an adversity is an ability to tell a story. Now you look at yourself and say, am I going to be the victim of the story or I'm going to be the hero of the story? So a story is interesting if you are both. Yes, yes. And my, my advice to people that want to give advice to people that are in the gutter is stop giving them advice. And the last thing you need to tell someone that is depressed, which I was, is if you don't love yourself, you can't love others. Because number one, it's bullshit. You could love your kids, you could love your ex, you could love your customers, you could love your community. So this is totally unhelpful. What you should do is shut up and be there and see what can you do to better the situation. But never be judgmental and never be condescending. And the best thing that I got from the time that was the worst time of my life was to learn that helping other people is not from above, reaching with a hand and pulling them up. It's like when we were kids. You remember when we wanted to sneak out to the soccer stadium? Yeah, we were kneeling down, putting our hands together. Somebody would put their dirty shoe on our hands, the other dirty shoe on our shoulder. They sneak out and you left the last one and everybody puts the hand to lift you up. And if you really want to be in my profession of helping others, I need to learn how to kneel and help from the eye level and not from the out level. Beautiful picture. Um, Learn how to kneel. <laughs> Bobby, I just wanted to maybe change tacks a little bit. Um, your business is uh, Delivering Delight, although I've seen your sh on your T-shirt now, it's Let's Delight. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a new brand or something, but I like that as well. And um, over, over the course of a couple of years, Chris and I have talked to numerous neuroscientists about creativity. And the general message that we have is that it's very difficult to be creative unless you're in a good mood, unless you're happy. So Bull Bullshit. Okay, bullshit. Totally right. Bullshit. Uh, talk, 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 talk to us about that. Totally bullshit. Um, if you look at most of the beautiful songs ever written, love songs, they were written when people had a broken heart. Um, so let's stop. What I don't like, I don't like slogans. People tell you like something like, it, it, it should be. Now, if you're very creative, uh, you could really say no to all these sayings that people are telling to you because not all of them are right. Uh, Arby, Arby, I've got to say, you know, what you just said there, that's easier done than said. <laughs> if you think about it, everything you were successful in your life was easier done than said. Everything you did not do yet is easier said than done. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know. We, we had a discussion with um, uh, Lenny about Lenny. it and, and the story about where it came from. So uh, I, I was just having a, I'm having a go at you because it is a pithy saying. Uh, but but I, take, I take your point. There's something, if you find a, a, a poetic way of stringing three or four words together, people nod wisely, go, oh, that's so true. But it doesn't mean it's true. It just means they're three or four words that sound a bit poetic. So, yes. One of my biggest criticisms to my fellow speakers is that they put 
quotes from other people. And I tell them, if I wanted to hear the other person, I would go to their keynote. I want to hear your original saying. That's easier. That's easier done than said. <laughs> I could switch tack a bit. You're talking to us from Singapore, and you mentioned briefly that you'd heard that Singapore is the kind of the unhappiest country in the world. So, a huge opportunity for somebody that that is a sort of specialist in delight. How does this message play in different cultures? You're speaking to two Australian-based Westerners. You obviously experience of Asian markets in Singapore. How do different kinds of culture respond to your message about optimism and delight? I don't know about all the cultures in the world. I've been speaking only in 23 countries so far. And I I hope that I'm going to reach 30 soon. So I know that different countries have different ways and different sense of humor as well. So I need to learn more every time I go to a place. There is a different nuance to it and different culture and different way to look at it. I did a course that is called Appreciative Inquiry, which is a very interesting change, organizational change methodology that looks instead of what is broken that we need to fix, it looks what works. How can we replicate it and stretch it? And one of the participants there was Enrique, my friend, and he is the chief happiness officer of Tech Milenio, uh, the best and biggest university in Mexico. And at that time, uh, Denmark was the number one happiest country in the world, according to the UN research. And he said something that made me smile. He said, let the Danish come for one fiesta in Mexico and they will understand what happiness means. So number one, I have huge criticism about the word happiness because it means different things to different people. I don't think that the... World Happiness Report is about happiness, is about satisfaction from the state of living in that country. And it is comprehensive. It takes a lot of uh, things into account, like the health system, the longevity, uh, uh, education, uh, safety, etc., etc., etc. So, but it's not about happiness. Happiness, you know when you're happy, you know when you're not. Yes. And there I decided not to make happiness as my North Star because I believe that happiness, trust, money, and love are results, serves you better as results rather than a goal. So my job in the morning is not to be happy. I found that if I put my North Star as delighting other people, as a result, I become happier because I learned something about the uh, the human race and how do we get some significance and this north star by the way if i, I ask tens of thousands of people to tell me how will they deliver delight to their employees and i will ask you to talk with paul for 20 seconds and give paul your answer and paul tell you his answer so i'm go- okay i'm going to jump in first i think the key is in storytelling that you tell stories that have some kind of learning or message in them, and that helps them and therefore picks you to life. That's my answer. Thank you, Chris. Um, Adi, we ask the questions here. (laughs) (laughs) The reason why I I do this is because I want to simulate and want to let you feel. I I think why I delivered life is probably um, by helping people not stress about things that I need to stress about. 
is probably what I would say. That's very nice. And you're probably going to hear thousands or millions of answers. And it took me a decade, more than a decade, to come to this sentence. Delivering delight is the habit of making positive choices to contribute to others. The habit of making positive choices to contribute to others. So there are three keywords. One, habit. Nobody likes someone that is unstable, that one day caresses you and the other day whacks you. Then you lose credibility and you cannot be trusted. You cannot be trusted, you cannot deliver delight. The second thing is positive choices. I'm guilty as charged. I don't always make positive choices and I regret it, but much of the time I try to make a positive choice. What will be something that will be a good outcome that will uplift us rather than put us down? And contribution is the engine of delight. And it's different than giving because we give what we want, but contribution is the value that we create that the other people need. Now, if you're a parent, you'll know that it's not necessarily what they want, but what they need. Now, if that is your North Star, you're gonna receive at least three things. You're gonna make everybody around you much better. Everything you're gonna invest in others will come back to you many times more, and you and everybody else gonna be much happier as a result. Fantastic. Is there a role for government in this? Because when you said there's a person at this university called Chief Happiness Officer, I thought, crumbs, that's that's a hospital pass for a job title. Make me happy. Go on, get on with it. Uh, But if you should there be a minister of uh, contributing or a minister of delight in government, for example? Uh, No. Um, I'm against the idea that should be a Chief Happiness Officer. uh, And I say... I, my title is Chief Delighting Officer, but I say that 8 billion people have it inside of them and they need to just make the adjustment to bring it out. Everyone is responsible uh, t- to do it. You you are responsible for your own delight. Uh, it, 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 so a minister, no, but I, what I think is that each minister has to do the work well. So if you're the oh. Minister of Health and you have people instead of getting service, they are lining up in the corridor in hospital. That is not delighting. You're not doing your job. Just do your job yeah. well, and that's going to create a delightful service. But regretfully, in some places, and too many of them, and that's why Singapore is going up so much in the happiness index, not because the people here are happier, but they build an ecosystem where the health system is one of the best in the world. Education system is one of the best in the world, although it has so many things to to change. Yeah. Government, probably the best in the world. You want something, it's within few clicks and you get it done. So no, no wonder that people are very satisfied, but boy, yes. they still know how to complain. Uh, so what, what I learned from that is, is if you point yeah. to, if you have someone whose role is happiness or delight, that would imply that it doesn't. It's not the role of everybody else, and you're saying no. It's everybody's role. What if you yeah, specialize in? In my talks, I ask, uh, "Who needs to be delighted? Who? Everyone. Um, everyone. Yeah, everyone. I say, very yeah. intelligent crowd, and I say, so who is responsible to delight? The chief <laughs> happiness officer. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're saying everyone, and I say no. So yeah. I ask you, and also the listener, 
would you mind putting uh, your two thumbs up? By the way, oh. uh, put the coffee down because I'm going to tell you? you to point at yourself. That's, okay. that's the person that's responsible for delight. Anything else will make no delight because if it's somebody else's responsibility, mm -mm. It's, it's literally, it's just talking about delight has, has, has made me more, more pick my spirits up because you just start finding little thinking about opportunities like that question you asked you know, what, what, what do you think is giving delight? I just took that process helps you go, oh yeah, this, it's interesting how easy it is to unlock. Now, look, a lot of people think that people that give are gifted or something like that. But let me tell you the truth. I'm not a nice man, as people would like to say. Um, I just decoded the system because unless you're Mother Teresa or you are the Dalai Lama, you have an ego to feed. So we wake up in the morning and we say, ah, look at me. I'm nice. Please affirm me, confirm me, validate me. And then yeah. we say, hey, look, I'm important. Please, please, um, I want you to think that I'm successful. And then please love me, love me. And this going and going, oh, I'm trying to get more and more. And it's exhausting. It's the junk food for your ego, okay. junk food for your soul. Transformation happens when you realize that you can get the same energy with minimal calories when you give what you want to take. So instead of being affirmed and confirmed, I'll affirm, confirm, and validate someone else. Instead of making myself look successful, I am responsible to help other people be successful. Instead of asking for love and begging for love, I'm busy giving love. And why do I do this? Because when I go to sleep, I want Abby to tell me, Abby, you're actually a nice guy. <laughs> what you did there that you helped that person was very nice of you. Um, but sometimes you think that you are on the giving side and you're still in the wrong place with your ego and you're still eating junk food. And that's a story that I can tell you. Please tell us. So you tell us we want to hear. About um, almost a decade ago, my congregation, I'm Jewish by the way, um, asked me to do team building. And I usually take uh, five digits and I, and I lowered it to a very small amount. And I delivered the team building. Everybody was happy. And then uh, I sent the message to the finance um, afterwards. That, sorry, then I, I didn't sleep well at night. I say, why did I charge my congregation? How do I make it up for, for them? Because the money was already in my bank. So I said, why don't I invite a comedian, um, a, a wonderful guy who recovered from cancer, e even though he had five chances, five percent chance to um, to survive. And I paid for him to come, and it was identical amount of what they paid me that I invested. And then I asked the CFO to just send me a receipt that I invested that um, for for the community. And boy, that night I got a, a, an email from the treasurer. How can I be so cheeky to ask the board to pay for my donation? So not only I give a discount, not only I delivered, not only I do that, now I'm the villain. And the copy was all the trustees in Singapore, the top VPs and presidents and owners of uh, some of the 
biggest enterprises you can think, they oh. think that I'm a schmuck. So uh, I tried to explain in an email. I, I wasn't very pleasant to, to, to tell you the truth. And the rabbi understood that something is wrong and arranged for lunch. And Michael apologized. And of course, I forgive him. But at the end, when we stood up, he told me, Avi, why do you need the receipt? You know, it's not tax deductible. You wanted to be mentioned in the book for your donation, didn't you? And then he said, do you know that the biggest donors to our community are anonymous? And I'm one of them. Chris, Paul, at that moment, I cried. I gave him a big hug and I told him, Michael, you liberated me. From now, when I give, no one will know that I was the one because I thought that I'm on the giving side, but I was in ego take side because I yes. just want, I gave for in order for others to, uh, to know. So that was a lesson for me. And now you know the motivation of all the people that have a lot of money. Why do they give it? They don't give it anything because of somebody else. We give it because we want to feel good about ourselves. So if you, if you are not in a good shape, go out, help someone. It's not true that you can't love yourself before you love others. When you're busy being in the love zone, love will come to you. And your respect to yourself will come back. But you need to respect yourself first before you could love yourself. That's fantastic um, wisdom and insights, Ave. Um, unfortunately, um, our time has, has come to an end. Uh, Avi, you've given us a great gift, but we're not going to tell people that you gave it to us because I know that you, you'll go to sleep much better when, when people don't, don't know that you gave us this gift. Um, it, it's been absolute delivery, a deli fantastic delivery. Um, there's that song, Afternoon Delight, because it's an afternoon here in Australia with Chris and I. I, I know that Afternoon Delight is, uh, has another implication in that song. But uh, you have given I prefer us ladies, if you don't mind. <laughs> you've given us uh, you've given us heaps of delight this afternoon. So thank yeah. you so much, Arve. We, I wish we could talk for much longer. Thank you so much, Arve. I le yeah, you talked about learning how to kneel. Talked about anonymous donations. I yeah, thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed this session. It's very kind of you. Thank you, guys. Uh, be blessed, and remember that you are blessed, and you can be grateful. I love Chris Arby. He's so calm. You know, and he, he, I, I love the foil for, for Lenny. Lenny's kind of a natural comedian. He cracked lots of jokes and so on. But Arby is, is the same philosophy, but you're right. He has that quiet calmness about him. I think it, it, what's lovely is that the earnestness, he, he's, this isn't a talk. This is something he's deadly serious about. And yet the topic is delight. And it, he's made me feel great about myself and... I think the most poignant point was maybe this idea of anonymous donations, that, that whether you're giving certain idea or you're literally making a donation, the act of being anonymous is, forces you to do it um, for in a way that feeds you. Yeah. Yeah, no, look, I, I think it's um, it was excellent. And that, that exercise that he gave us, the answer to one of his best questions about the blessed and gratitude, I do that every yeah. day, and it really is very centering. Just for our listeners, in case you misunderstood the instructions you keep taking your hands out and out and out until they're greatly they outstretched won't. above your head 
Uh, you make a big Y with your body at the center and then you yeah. uh, V-shape with not, your not arms. Not a YMCA, yes. just a Y. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so to be blessed and grateful. And so that, that was his message. And he, he goes all around the world delivering delight. And we're very lucky to have him on the show. He's a, bit, he's a busy good. man. Great demand. Uh, he's not. He's an engaged man. That was one of his tips. You know, one's busy. It's, yeah, it's, he's, very, he's a very engaged man. <laughs> we, uh, we hope you to leave a comment if you enjoyed this but make sure it's an anonymous comment obviously because that was one of his tips uh, and if you want to give a, a rating we don't care what rating it is it's up to you because feeding our egos is not what we're about anymore yeah, and please <laughs> tell your friends uh share, share the share the gratitude that maybe has uh, brought to yes. you life your life yeah, so yeah. thanks to our listeners for tuning in and we hope to uh, for you to join us next week. Uh, we'll see you next week on the next week's podcast. Thanks for tuning in.